Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Open Network User Group Podcast. I'm Mark Tierney. I'm ONUG CTO. And today we're going to visit with key members from the ONUG Policies Code Working Group and see what's happening on that team. Will it be worth it? Are you worth it? Of course you are. You want to be happy. I talked to ChatGPT today. And they said that what makes IT professionals, or it said what makes IT professionals happy, challenging and interesting work and collaborative, supportive team environments. That is everything that happens at ONUG on the ONUG Collaborative. So this is going to obviously make you happy. ChatGPT said it would. All right, but before I get to my guests, ONUG Spring 2023, it's going to be a hybrid event. It's going to be in my hometown, Dallas, Texas, May 17th and 18th at Union Station, like I said, in Dallas. It's going to be great. Come join the ONA community of global 2,000 companies, enterprise architects, cloud providers, thought leaders, as we demonstrate the tenets of enterprise cloud, networking, DevOps, DevSoc, whatever. You can go to ONUG.net to register for the event today. Use the promo code ONUG Podcast, and you'll get a truckload of savings. I think it's like 20% off. All right, so that's it. Um, all right, I've got a really powerhouse lineup, and the reason why I have a powerhouse lineup is because the team, the Policies Code Working Group is just that. It's full of powerhouse people. I've got, and you guys just wave when I say your name. So I've got Alex Shulman-Pelling from e She's Managing Director of Cloud Security and Practice Leader for the Americas. I've got Peter Campbell. You guys know Peter. He's been on the podcast a bunch. Uh, he's Senior Director of Cloud Security and Strategy and Engineering at Cigna. Jabo Long. Jabo is the Global Head of Network Segmentation Tools Engineering at Citi. Ilya Sumuni, the Cloud Security Innovation Lead at ENY. Uh, and Don Duet, he's the CEO and co-founder uh, co of Concourse Labs. And he is also <laughs> the chair of the Policies Code Working Group. Um, most of our listeners also know and viewers know Don uh, as well, because he was previously a co-chair with Peter on the Automated Cloud Governance Working Group. Um, all right, Don, let's let's start with you, pal. Uh, the the interesting part about about ONUG and how working groups happen, they're often driven down by the ONUG board and the ONUG steering committee. Uh, uh, and often, you know, these things get tested at private, privately held sessions at ONUG conferences. And I just remember uh, fondly remembering a session that you and Jabo uh, led at the last two conferences on the topic. Um, Tell, you know, tell the audience, what, what are you seeing? Uh, what are you seeing from your seat on the, the you know, the big drivers? What have you, what have you heard at the conference? What have you hear? What are you hearing in the industry of what's driving policy as code? Yeah, sure. No, thanks, Mark. And it's great to be here with such an amazing group of people, um, you know, that make up the team uh, and, and the working group at ONUG. You know, surprisingly or not, you know, the world is investing deeply in tech and businesses of all industries and all shapes and sizes are, are building, you know, more and more of their business and their operations based on software and data. Um, and, you know, one, one of the challenges that come with that is, guess what, you know, that, that creates a lot of complexity um, as people look to move from more on-premise models to embracing different cloud services and, you know, many aspects of next generation technology, cloud native solutions, et cetera. You know, all this from a business perspective just creates more and more challenges of how do you be able to ensure that you can run, operate and move fast without 
breaking things? Um, and how can you really ensure that you're building kind of capabilities over time that let automation take place to ensure that your business applications and services and data sets are both secure and they're well designed. And so that, you know, really is kind of where we see the genesis of the whole policy as code movement, if you would. Um, and, you know, that, that there's, I think, you know, increasing recognition that with the kind of approach that many businesses are taking, both in terms of the velocity of their business and their technology, the, the desire to become much more innovative and more agile, you know, all that adds up to lots of things changing in lots of different places all the time. And so one of the core use cases that we're seeing that's being, you know, coming out of both the ONUG kind of community and, and in general around policy as code is how do you really use policy as code as a, a basis to help you automate the controls that you need to run and operate your environments safely. And that's a big part of the focus of the working group. But I, I would say it'd be remiss for me not to state that you know, policy as code is still, I think, you know, being defined and, and a big part of our focus within the group is really go. trying to bring together people to answer the question of what, what is policy as code? What should it mean to people? And, you know, how do you apply it in, in kind of a complex enterprise? Yeah, that makes sense. I, uh, the definition part is is key. I, you know, I think I sat in your first session, Jabao, I sat in the very first session uh, that you led at, uh, at Donug Spring 2022. And I said, you know, policy is code, more questions than answers. And, um, you know, I appreciate, Jabao, your point of view, because you want to get things done. Like every time I hear you talk about policy is code, you, you know, you're all about you know, how we get this, uh, um, these solutions into uh, our enterprises to reduce toil and, and just make things work. Tell me a little bit about your passion around that, that uh, topic, if you don't mind. Yeah, so I'm very passionate about policies code. We think it's very strategic. So before uh, I moved to this uh, data center team in, in city, I was doing cloud with AWS and Google where we already have solutions to do the guardrail and to do the compliance reporting because everyone is following the same language, right? AWS, API, or Google, or Azure. But when we do the on-premise, for example, when we do segmentation, we need to deal with a variety of technology stacks, network SAL from different routing switch vendor, the firewalls, right, and the, some a zero trust, right? So all these solutions need to play together and we need to be compliant with some standard for both for our internal network security standard as well as external regulators. So how do we prove in a in an automated way to say we are compliant? How do, do we testify our controls stays valid and is doing what we expect it to do? So I think policy as code is the only way that we can automate this governance process and make sure that we can be compliant in a more automated way. All right, so Jabao uh, used the compliance term. Alex, I'm going to you next because when, uh, you know, my history as a uh, you know, technology uh, exec, mostly an infrastructure person, you know, I hear the words compliance, attestation, things like that, I get the shakes. A little bit, I, you know. I think about, you know, I'm sitting in front of the auditors, right? I've got to uh, tick and tie off um, controls, and um, I think one of the things that uh, I'm passionate about here. Once I got over my anxiety of uh, compliance, I realized that the only way to deal with these things is head on, right? And uh, not pretend like it's uh, it's going to just happen by magic. Um, my hope for policies, codes, solutions 
is sort of this ubiquity end to end kind of uh, solution that it's not just about implementation, but it's it's about these other things that Shabba was talking about, like like you know how do we manage compliance and governance end to end. I think you're in a good uh, seat to you know talk about that. I'd love to get your thoughts on it and anything else you want to throw out there, but. Um, uh, give, give, give me some give me some feedback on uh, on my anxiety problem. Yes, it, you're spot on. Compliance is very difficult to manage, and most of the regulators want to see that organizations have solid policies, and then they're implementing them. And this is exactly what policies code is all about, because policies that are written on paper are not sufficient to protect us because they're still on paper. Those who are attacking us are not reading them and they're not trying to be compliant with these policies. The only way to actually enforce these policies is to have them implemented as code, because otherwise you're spot on. I'm also afraid of compliance because if it is not automatically managed, it is very difficult to prove that you're compliant. So compliance as code, policy as code, these are the mechanisms to actually implement the policies that were originally written on paper. And this connection between policies that we have written on paper and our environments that are now noisy, dynamic, constantly changing. Policies code is connecting between these areas. And this is why policies code is so critical. That's the future. There is no other way to manage these environments. And I hope that over time, this is what will reduce everyone's stress around compliance because we'll be able to manage this automatically with policies code. So right. I'm not this. I'm not this smooth, and Peter uh, Campbell knows I'm not this smooth. But it's a good segue, uh -huh. and we didn't practice this. But Peter, you, um, I know you think about uh, things in a very practical, from a very practical point of view at Cigna, and um, I know your your I don't know concerns not the right word, but you've brought up uh, it, the very real issue of scale, right? And uh, you know, as we as we look at solutions um, in the policy as code space, it's it's such a broad uh, it's such a broad category. There's so many ways to approach it. Um, tell me about tell me about your concerns. If and by the way, if I'm wrong, tell me. But um, you know, are there concerns about being able to scale these solutions down the road? And how do you feel about that? No, well, I think you know, uh, being able to operate at scale is, as, as uh, you said, is, is super important. And I think as Alex said, to kind of amplify what she said, if we can make, if policy can make security simpler and more streamlined uh, and more understandable, then it's going to help with the scale problem. So when you start to think about the number of, of different uh, diverse, you know, diversity of workloads, uh, cloud environments, uh, on-premise environments, uh, just the uh, the amount of policy that needs to be sort of uniformly applied and then, you know, managed at scale. You know, we've been looking at, you know, some architectures where we're, um, you know, kind of trying to prove out, you know, policy as code uh, as a way to enforce, uh, say, zero trust data protection. Uh, you know, these uh, architectures have to scale, uh, but also we need to ensure that we're, you know, keeping it uh, simple as well so that, you know, the consumers that are responsible, you know, the platform teams and the development teams that are responsible to enforce uh, security policy can do that in a way that's, you know, understandable and it's done, you know, uniformly across the organization. So it's a huge topic, but it's a tremendous, um, you know, if we can get there, as Alex said, it's going to be very exciting uh, as I see this evolving over the next few years. 
Yeah, so when you start talking about scale, uh, Ilya, when we were uh, working on the early days, and by the way, the we'll be coming out with collateral here very okay, soon that the, pu that the public can see. Mark. Yeah, Alex, Alex, <laughs> okay. you were passionate about uh, a few things. I'm sorry, Ilya, you were passionate about a couple of things. If I recall, during the, the building of the, the team charter, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but if I, if I remember right, you... Uh, uh, one of the things that you were hoping that we'd wrap our arms around as a team down the road or, or you know, having to do with um, standards and data models and uh, things like that uh, inside a policies code framework. Is that right? Uh, do I remember that correctly? And if so, like, tell me, uh, tell me why you think that's so important. Yeah, yeah. I, I, to add all the topics we talk about policies code, standards, stand, standards and kind of coming to the uh, agreement on Definitions is very important. So we all talk about the same thing. So I think what we see in the industry, people say policy is code, but they mean different things. So I think one of the purposes of this group is to come to this agreement, what actually policy is code mean for us and for the industry, right? And take it forward. And I think it will be very valuable for everybody. So we can kind of speak to the same vocabulary. But in terms of standards, I think what is important when you have the standard, you can start coding around it. Right? So people have the same understanding. So when we s start taking from the concepts of policies code, scale, and uh, kind of all this intents we talk about, we can start laying uh, layers of design and code and solutioning so that at the end, we have a kind of clear connection from the intent, expressed as a policy to the implementation that we can actually run against certain environments. And that's how we can reach the scale to Peter's point, right? And, but this requires a good bit of work, as we discovered, doing internally the why and with clients. So it seems to be that we need to get a lot of discussions and agreements and then start kind of coding around it, making sure that we get follow the good pro processes around actual implementation. And then we get to this outcomes that will be repeatable and consistent, right? And reusable. And I think this is what we're actually what we're all working towards. Kind of that, that's, yeah. that this is kind of my thoughts. I hope it resonates what we tried to put in the charter, right? So it is really aligned what we set out to do, and we can continue down this path. No, that makes sense. So, and Don, uh, you know, one of the things I I appreciate, of course, I I work at Onug, but I one of the things I appreciate about Onug, uh, all my biases aside, is being a, a member-led uh, community. Uh, you know, the consumers are really leading. Uh, the conversation uh, in partnership, of course, with the suppliers. Um, but we're trying to be part of a connected community. We're not out here to invent something new, right? Uh, I think, you know, everyone on this team has been uh, pretty, pretty passionate about that. There are certainly standards that exist in, um, in the policies code space. Um, I would argue that they're, they're not always uh, I've used the word, word term already, sort of ubiquitous across an entire framework. And I think that's how I feel like we're, we're operating, trying to fill those gaps, uh, create the, the standards that, that Ilya was, was referring to, right down to what you're leading right now, which is I'm kind of blocking and tackling, but, but working on a glossary of terms, right, that, uh, that people can understand. Tell us about what is happening with the with the policies code playbook at this at this point? Yeah, I think I think you know as as the other members you know have kind of commented on. I mean, policies code is is a word or a phrase, and when you dip beneath the surface, there's a lot of 
things to really unpack. And, you know, there's lots of different ways people would express things that they would point to and say, that's policy as code, like, I don't know, a cloud guardrail um, or, you know, kind of some form of a compliance solution. So, yeah, there, there's a lot here that we see kind of in the industry and we, we're seeing kind of as a, you know, group of, of opinionated and, and, you know, passionate kind of uh, <laughs> technologists that are trying to help solve for, you know, help solve for this, that the first thing we need to help people with, including ourselves, is just getting that definition of, you know, what are the terms here? Um, what are the relationships that would exist? Um, stepping back and making sure, to your point, you know, we're not trying to invent, you know, new things. We're not trying to step on existing standards, but, you know, how do you take the things that do exist and get them into a methodology that hopefully will help people, because there's a lot of people out there in the world that are saying, you know, I really want to figure out how do I help my organization embrace this architecture, this strategy called policies code, but how do I do it? And so that's really kind of the objective of our playbook is to try and give people a sense of this is what we, you know, as, as a collection of experienced professionals, you know, have seen and, and what we kind of think is a good way of helping both understand the space and understand, you know, some of that substructure aspects of, of what really is involved in you know managing maintaining and operating a policy as code program um, and and give people a good guide for where to get started and then you know we'll see we'll, we're going to look to get a lot of feedback from the community um, you know starting at the event in 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 uh, in, in in texas um, on what should be the next step you know what should come beyond that but that's our first goal is to try and get that kind of playbook built out to help educate a bit more of what we see and then hopefully uh, you know for people that are really interested in trying to start to be building a program for managing a policy as code initiative in their organization that this could be a you know, we think could be a very helpful starting point nice so um a couple things first i'd like to say that when an onug member says that the team members are opinionated that's a compliment right <laughs> exactly. so let's make sure we're clear on that we these are compliments <clears throat> team okay so it's all good alex from your seat though um you know, in the, the position of, of ENY in particular, uh, you're casting a, a, a wide net. Um, maybe I'd love to hear a little bit about, you know, your point of view from not to, that you could, you know, talk to specific clients or anything, but um, it, do you see a, any specific areas that, that um, uh, you, you know, that you're in your universe that people are you know, like dying to get first? Is there something that, uh, okay, this is great. Uh, you know, Don and Ilya want to like, you know, drill down and get a glossary terms and uh, data models and uh, you know, like the, the really uh, yeoman's work that needs to be done. Uh, you know, but sometimes I see people like Xiaobao and Peter's like, that's great, but I need to implement network policy. Uh, I need to get it done quickly. Like what, what are the, what are the things that you're seeing people are pushing on sooner than later? Yes, uh, thank you. <clears throat> so let me share my personal opinion because uh, it is very difficult to speak on the behalf of in wine in general. Thank you. Yep. Um, <laughs> my personal opinion is that we have wonderful tools. Policy as code has evolved, and we have many, many amazing solutions for policy as code and many different instances. And this is what we are trying to align through this glossary because we have policy in a platform provided by the cloud providers. We have policies as code as part of security tools. We have policy as code as an in independent uh, policy management infrastructure. So we already have many uh, technological solutions that engineers as ourselves are super excited to adopt uh, and implement. But I also think that 
uh, we need to, to do several things. First, agree on the terminology, and then raise the several levels up inside our, our organizations. We need these uh, policies, policies code to be accepted during audit or regulatory reviews as, as attestations. So that- Why would uh, it, hold on, let me, so let me interrupt, uh, uh, I'm gonna stir things up here a little bit. Why would it not be accepted? Like what are, what would be the drivers that, that someone would not, not accept you know, these types of solutions. So what's in the way, I guess? So first, let's discuss how this is being done today. Uh, most traditionally audit processes will take organizational policies written on paper and then apply them. And then there are different interpretations and they're checking that this is being implemented appropriately. We want to simplify this process, both for auditors and those who are actually building their systems. So instead of uh, people asking questions and verifying and collecting opinions and views will be able to review policies code as an attestation if it is implemented and applied to all of the environments that's our attestation that the policy is implemented but today this is still not the mainstream of our review processes yes we are implementing this where possible but because not all of the environments today have implemented policies code this cannot be defined as a standard process for everyone. And because, for, for example, in many cases, we're starting with cloud. This is not yet implemented for all the environments. So both as auditors and those who are being audited, we cannot have this as part of our mainstream process yet, but this is where we need to go. Once implemented, this will make all the discussions easier. And this is the next step of policy as code, where it is used for risk management where it is used for regulatory discussions and attestations, and it saves it will save time for everyone involved. Um, but the first step, and this is what this working group is doing, is to agree on the terminology so that all of us will be speaking the same language and will agree on how we're approaching this. And we will agree um, what are the different levels of policy as code, because it is very critical to define this, right? Policy as code, uh, for firewalls, it's not the same as policy as code for infrastructure as code deployment in the cloud. And that's what we're doing as a working group right now. All right, I'm going to jump on that. Jeb, I'm going to go to you on this. Um, uh, the, the, wor like the world, we're not living in vacuums here. We're living in, <clears throat> in multi-cloud, hybrid cloud, cloud in a box, you know, five flavors of sort of on-demand infrastructure and platform and uh, software as a service, uh, security service. Is um, uh, are you looking at uh, are you looking at these solutions differently across the uh, sort of pantheon of platforms, uh, infrastructure, uh, you know, solutions, or you know, is it possible to do a one size fits all? I see you're on mute. So, um, but is there is there a way to is there a way to attack this problem uh, one size fits all across uh, across these platforms? So firstly, I would like to differentiate policy as code, the policy decision point from the orchestrator. So today we have we could have multiple orchestrators. Uh, so for example, on prime, we have orchestrator to orchestrate all the firewalls, and we have another orchestrator to orchestrate all the routers from a single vendor. And a cloud has a different orchestrator. However, policy engine is a defined policy and help with a policy decision. Then we can translate this into different orchestrator for policy enforcement point. 
so I think the policy as code is doable for multiple technologies. So the, the chance is there. Uh, and uh, you, you ask a very uh, interesting question because we wanted to use policy as code for compliance, right? And how, what makes the auditors not to accept it? So from our experience with auditing team, they want the full transparency. How did you export the data? How did you prove that uh, this is the, the time you exported the data and show all this evidence? So if we can use the policy as code to provide such transparency, this is our inventory. This is how we model the data. This is how we use the data to drive the policy decision. And those are the logs to prove that our controls are in place. Then I think we, we will have a very good chance that the auditors will like it. Yeah, this will make their life easier and our life easier. Yeah, well, I can add to that, to Java's point. I've supported multiple audits as well, being at the Y. So, kind of what translate to your point is that it should be reasonably self-explanatory how we get from policy written on paper to the code we measure right if auditors may not have advanced expertise in technology but if we show this in clear terms how we arrived at the conclusion i think auditors will accept that as a as a evidence right and to simplify this process of audit that we, we have another chance of using policies code as actually audit simplification approach also. It will be clear how we're arriving from kind of a parallel policy to code coding in the AWS Azure, right? It may be another benefit actually we can uh, achieve by uh, kind of going through this kind of a design uh, unpacking this, um, uh, this approach. I think that's an Peter, important one point, Ilya. I was going to just add on to having that, you know, common vocabulary or language between, you know, compliance, risk, and audit teams and sort of yes. this, you know, shifting up to that's kind so. of simplify, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the assurance uh, process. I mean, that's that's good for everyone, you know, as far as it, you know, reduces friction, it simplifies security, and it makes us, you know, all more secure. So I think that's... Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I, also, I just wanted to put in my own two cents on this one as well, because I think, you know, from the from the audit perspective, from the auditor or the regulator, um, you know, what, what's going to be, I think, always required is that there's evidence and proof that you were able to do things independently, right? So that, you know, if the same person who wrote the policy as code is the same person that's providing or managing the system that it's introspecting or, or it's, you know, kind of defining compliance over, then that's probably going to be a problem. And if you have hundreds of teams in your environments and everybody kind of manages policy differently, well, that's probably going to be a different problem for the regulator. So I, I think, you know, a big part of kind of why is policy is code so hard sometimes to get it translated into, you know, value from the perspective of simplifying and reducing audit uh, is, you know, it requires really kind of some degree of standards, standards of how you do it, some degree of principles of like how you make sure there's segregation of duties and responsibilities and independence mm. of the actual code, because the code is doing all the, the legwork, which is great to reduce toil, but it's still going to you know, be held to those same standards of is it independent, is it trustable, and do you manage it in a way that's really kind of validating that it should be trusted. All right, I can say this because I'm uh, I don't have a real job uh, anymore. I uh, you know I work at at Onug and I do podcast stuff. Um, but let's be honest, Peter and Jabao. Now nah, you guys won't be honest. You're too nice. Um, I feel like there's I feel like there's too much check the box 
kind of stuff that goes on in the controls and compliance space um, that um, we're, we're sometimes getting down to the, um, the lowest common, you know, denominator. And I, my hope for policy as code is that we'll raise the bar. Uh, we'll raise the bar of what um, uh, policy implementation looks like, what uh, our policies will get better uh, because um, we will have more automated processes. Anyone can jump on this because uh, I'm, I'm stirring the pot and trying to start a fight. But uh, I, I feel like I feel like there's been a lot of check the box kind of stuff going on in this space. Alex, I see you laughing. Uh, tell me I'm wrong. That's the goal. Shabazz said we want transparency, right? I think both the auditors and the teams that are being audited want transparency. It is just today they do not always have the tools. Uh, once they will have the tools, uh, I think it will be easier and it will be less check the box because, yes, we'll be checking the box, but we'll have confidence in the data that we are getting. So th th this is why we're investing in this space so much because it will give confidence both to the auditors and those who are audited. Because after all, audit, th that's a helpful process, even for the teams that are doing the engineering, because no one, no one wants to hide any gaps, right? It is just sometimes people don't know about them because they don't have yeah. the tools to see them. There, there you go. And that's, to me, to me, that's a quality issue that this could serve, it should serve. Um, and particularly uh, on, and anyone jump in on this, but particularly on, um, you know, day two, right? Uh, you, we tend to put policy in place and we do it well, I think, even in our manual uh, processes, we do it well the day of implementation. And that's where that's where the risk begins, right? That's where drift can happen. That's where, you know, our observability and visibility on policy change, uh, you know, starts to happen. Um, am I wrong? Um, you know, Jabao or Peter, I'd love to hear your opinions no. on this, but, uh, no, I think what, as, as uh, teams, I was just going to say, as teams are becoming more and more agile, right? There's, you know, that you may have heard the term, you know, you build it, you know, you run it. Right. And that's kind of also you secure it. Right. But as teams are becoming more and more agile and the pace of business is increased, there's more, uh, and more of a need for, you know, centralized security policy you know, in a, in a way that uh, these agile teams can adopt those and enforce security policies, you know, kind of universally um, in these, you know, and, and in a way it kind of distributes security, right? And it empowers the engineering teams uh, to do things in a secure way. So those are some of the big, you know, opportunities I, I think that uh, that we see. Yeah. Yeah. Jabao, how about you? Yeah, um, so, so I don't think policy is a code, is a one-time, like a screenshot to prove we, we are compliant. That's all. It's uh, also continuous monitoring. And the policy as code as a technology enable us to do this continuous monitoring to uh, catch up with the changes. For example, this weekend, if we push a change to our network, what will be the impact to our application? What is the impact to the security? So this will allow us to do sound and safeness as well from operational side. That's really interesting, Jai Bo, when you think of like digital twins and those types of technologies where you're able to actually, you know, validate the policy on on a, uh, you know, a digital likeness of the of the true environment, right? I mean, those are some interesting things that you could do. Yeah. Alex, I think we cut you off. Uh, jump in, Alex. 
Yeah. No, thank you. It's great. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was Ilya. I'm sorry. Ilya, <laughs> you were trying to jump in on something. Sorry about that. Well, yeah, I, thank you. But uh, it was good for Jabba to mention that because I'm thinking that uh, there are a lot of policy engines already in place by different companies, different tooling, different organizations. So maybe our challenge is not just create a centralized policy engine or policy system, right? But sort of orchestration of the systems that serve common purpose, right? Because we cannot displace other things. AWS has their own policy engine building, right? And so on. So what we can do, maybe have intelligent coordination and orchestration of these tools to serve certain outcome. I think it will be something that we can consider as a fairly successful kind of target for us to achieve, right? And similar to what identity systems are doing, they're looking more like orchestration or coordination about different identity systems. We can take similar approach, right, uh, to, to policies and uh, use access as a kind of almost like a mental model complementing policies. Exactly. And you need both. Right. And like Chabot mentioned, both the orchestrator and the mm -hmm. policy decision point. And yeah. um, to provide this definite attestation, you actually need the data from both. And so this is why we need to use these different instances of policy as code that we have available, but then also connect this to a high level, <clears throat> sorry, policy decision point. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna stir it up some more. Here we go. Uh, security and network policy. That's exciting. It's exhilarating, right? But there's more. Uh, there there's other policy out there. Is that not right? Like, are are, are there not administrative uh, policies that also get served by these solutions? Uh, you know, even right down to, you know, who can stand up instantiations of uh, virtual servers or storage or whatever i mean are th these are policies too right will they be governed um and should they be governed the same way through these same type of policy management solutions or or is that different Don, so, I mean, you I, take I, yeah i mean i, I think I'll, i'd love to answer that and and hear you know the other points of view as well but i you know i think even just coming back a little bit to can you know policy as code change the bar obviously and hopefully in a racing <laughs> construct right. you know, one, one of the things is it's code so you know code is is portable code can be written in lots of places so you know one of the challenges that most enterprise have is that if you want to manage risk risk is not a flat conversation it's a very contextual discussion you know what does this application do what are the types of controls that it should be subject to what are the threats that it may have so policies code offers the opportunity to really imagine that you can get to where you don't have one policy you may have thousands of policies and you may have thousands of policies in some cases that are designed specifically for individual workloads or individual applications or to your question like how to grant or who should be allowed to have administrative access to you know which of your applications so i think it really does provide for both an encompassing perspective in the sense that it's not just purely about security um, resiliency perfect example you know we see many clients of ours using policies code to provide both security assurance and resiliency assurance you know our database is being backed up are the backups in different parts of there you go. the cloud providers availability zone so in case there is a big outage you're not sitting there thinking oh gee <laughs> unfortunately you know nobody checked and made sure that we were keeping things resilient but um, i i think the, the the main kind of point i want to make is that the, the point of being software 
really kind of opens the jar to saying we don't have to think about security as the Ten Commandments that have to be you know, like those are the common things everybody can agree on in a world where everything is different and there's tremendous diversity. And we can move hopefully towards a, a world where there are more people participating in the creation of that policy content. But it's by therefore, it's also getting much more specific. It's getting to where it's truly protecting each application or each each thing, whatever you want to call it, in a way that's been designed for that. And it's but it's still scalable that can still, you know, you can operate that in a way that's not going to cost you, you know, 90% of your people working on this. That, that to me is the premise and the opportunity um, that I think, you know, we're all trying to struggle. I think the industry is trying to struggle for like, how do you get there? What's the right path towards that goal? Sure. All right. Listen, we're, we're getting close to the end. I want to give everybody a chance to, to wrap up. So uh, I'm going to go around the horn and ask, uh, ask you, you know, if, what will make you happy? If there's uh, one thing out of uh, a, a great policies code solution, um, uh, what what is it that will make you and or your clients happy? What do you want? What do you want to prioritize, Alex? You're good on your feet. I went to you first. <laughs> Thank you. Just uh, <clears throat> this ability to use policies code, for example, for audit. <clears throat> Or uh, both as auditor and as a person who wants to prove that everything is implemented appropriately. And this ability to extract the policy and then show that it was applied to all the resources, and this is why we're compliant, I think this will achieve an amazing vision and will save a huge amount of time for everyone involved. So I'm looking forward to seeing this broadly adopted in the industry. Nice. All right, Peter. I would say a, a way to uh, distribute, you know, a definitive, you know, um, you know, policy source of truth from a central location out to all the different uh, disparate tool chains uh, across the enterprise. Excellent. Ilya, what's going to make you happy? Ilya, can we make you happy? That's what I want to know. Uh, uh, yes, possibly. <laughs> I knew you were going to be the But I want one. to piggyback on Peter's answer. So uh, I think uh, interoperability across different vendors and tools will make us as a consulting company happy because we can serve multiple clients, right? And show that different tools can serve some purpose. They all have different capability, of course, right? But we have sort of a common, not common denominator, but a common platform to bring different value to multiple clients, but still achieving similar outcome. I think for us, it will be, I think, very beneficial as a kind of independent provider, right? And Peter is uh, nodding to that because it seems to be that different vendors look at this differently, but having common vocabulary, common outcome, common mechanics that we can actually look at different, uh, at the available outcome, I think will be very beneficial uh, in, in, in my opinion, right? Excellent. Totally great. Xiaobao, what's going to make you happy if, if uh, we deliver something uh, to the uh, to the industry over the next uh, you know, 12 to 18 months? What, what's going to make you the happiest? Uh, so um, I'm usually a happy person, uh, although the work is hard. But if we can um, <laughs> have this reporting capability built on policies code to start with, I think that is a lower hanging fruit for everyone um, and to show we can use policy as code for compliance as report as a service. That will make me even happier. Nice. Now, Don, um, I can't imagine you being any happier than uh, leading this team, right? Uh, it's a pretty powerful group that you've got here. 
that you're uh, that you're chairing over. But nonetheless, I, I know I know something will something will improve your your position and posture. What is it? Well, no, I mean, as you know, given given my role in the group, I think getting anything done will make me happy. <laughs> and I think given the quality of the team that we have, I know whatever it is that we get done is going to be, you know, really high quality and impactful. You know, my, my, my general answer to your question is I, I think you know, what I would find the most valuable coming out of the work that we're doing is if we you know, do get people to think a bit more about this strategically. Right. Think that this is going to be really important. You know, as I mentioned at the beginning, the world is digitizing at an amazing rate. Companies are, are investing more and more of their people time and dollars in, in building more and more complex software. And, and one of the most important aspects of policy as code, in my opinion, is really helping offset some of that inflationary cost, right? How much time do your people spend on compliance and, and on just you know validating that things are working from an assurance perspective? That's time that, frankly, if we can help give back because it can be moved to machine time, that's fantastic. But I think it does require a little bit of a horizontal view where you got to think a bit strategically about, okay, this is not like I just turn this on or I just buy something and plug it in. It's, I got to think about this strategically as you've heard from you know everybody else on the, on the group in the panel. Excellent. Listen, uh, for, I just want to say thanks to everyone for taking the time to be uh, on the podcast with me today. It's uh, it's a great opportunity for the audience to see the, the caliber of people that are part of the ONA collaborative uh, and yeah, clearly this is a uh, uh, just a powerhouse group with uh, incredible backgrounds and a lot to contribute to uh, to the community. So uh, thank you to Don Jabao, Alex, Peter, and Ilya for being with me today. Again, don't forget about Onug Spring 2022. You can go to onug.net and register. Uh, you can use again use that promo code uh, promo code uh, Onug Podcast to save a truckload of money. And uh, we will see you on the next Onug podcast. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, team. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Thank Thanks, you everyone.